Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word to which we draw our attention this morning is part of our epistle reading from Galatians chapter 6, the first 10 verses. I'll read again verses 1 and 2 and verse 10. Please rise as we hear these words. Brothers, if a person is caught in some trespass, you who are spiritual should restore such a person in the spirit of humility, carefully watching yourself so that you are not also tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the household of faith. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Throughout your lifetime, your your level of responsibility varies quite a bit. For example, a baby. What responsibility does a baby have? Well, other than maybe just being cute, I don't think they have any. But as you get a little bit older, you start to have more responsibilities. When you're a younger child, you have chores to do around the house, helping out, cleaning up, making your bed, whatever. You get a little bit older and and maybe you start asking for certain responsibilities, like getting a driver's license or trying to decide where you want to go for college. And you get a little bit older, maybe you get married, you start a family, and you have that responsibility then of, of making sure your family is provided for. And then as you get even older, and maybe closer to that time when it looks like you may be headed to your true home of heaven, well, maybe then others start to take on responsibility again for you. Today we're going to look at responsibilities that all of us have, responsibilities that we have as Christians. In this letter to the Galatian Christians, Paul is is winding down, he's in his final chapter, but he still has some things that he wants to tell us about how we live our lives as Christians. And he details in this passage from Galatians 6 some of the responsibilities that we have. First off, he says that you have a responsibility to your fellow Christian. He he talks very specifically, but then he also talks a little more broadly. So let's look at the specific responsibilities first. In verse 2, Paul says, "Bear one another's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ." Now, maybe you hear that and you say, I don't need any more burdens in my life. How can you tell me, Paul, that that I need to take on someone else's burdens? Why would I want to help my fellow Christian with their burdens? Now, I see your point. Paul even says in verse 5, each man will bear his own burden. And just think of the burdens that you bear. The physical burdens, making sure that you and your family, if you have one, are provided for, that that there's a roof over your head, that you have food on the table, that you have clothes on your back, and all of this in the midst of a 
pretty tough economy. The mental burdens that you have. Maybe worrying about those physical burdens. Wondering if your spouse truly loves you or if your friends actually care about you. Questioning your mental state when you get down or depressed. The spiritual burdens. The feeling of of the weight of your sin that comes crashing down on you at times. Especially if it's a sin that you can't seem to escape. Wondering why God has has brought this or that into your life. Wondering why he doesn't seem to answer your prayers, at least not in the way that you want him to. I could keep going. We know we have plenty of burdens. And God wants you to take on more. Yes, he does. He wants you to help your fellow Christians with their burdens. Now granted, you can't take on all of the burdens of all of your fellow Christians. That would be impossible. But think of one specific sister or brother in the faith and how you could help them with their burdens. Could you make a meal for for someone when they get sick or they end up in the hospital or have a family member in the hospital or even get them a gift card for DoorDash or Grubhub? Could you take note of when they feel a little down and, and offer a word of encouragement, send them a note, a text, talk to them face to face, letting them know that they're not alone. Could you share a, a Bible verse, a Bible passage with them to let them know that, that God has not left them, that he is with them also, that he is still their heavenly father and that they are a redeemed child of God. Be creative. But be there for them. When Paul says, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, he's talking about showing self-sacrificing love for your fellow Christians. He's talking about loving your neighbor in whatever ways you can because that neighbor, that, that brother or sister in the faith is important. They're important to God and that means that they are important to you also. And that we all are important to God is obvious because of the self-sacrificing love that Jesus shows us in coming to this world to be our Savior. Burdens? Jesus knew about burdens. Why did he come to this world? He came to take on our burdens, especially our burden of sin. He went to the cross to pay that penalty we owed to God So that we don't have to. He took that massive burden from us. And because Jesus bore our burdens, we bear the burdens of others. Another specific way that Paul mentions about being responsible for your fellow Christian is in verse 1. Brothers, brothers and sisters, if a person is caught in some trespass, you who are spiritual should restore such a person in a spirit of humility, carefully watching yourself so that you are not also tempted. Last Sunday, we we heard about Paul talking about the two paths that we're going to be on, either the, the path that the sinful flesh wants to follow that leads to death, or the path that the new man follows that leads to life. 
And so when Paul says here that if you see a fellow Christian step off of that path that leads to life, if you see them stumble onto that path that leads to death, then you need to do something about it. Now, Paul isn't intending you to to be part of the sin police, always watching your, your sister or brother in the faith to see when they mess up. Notice he's talking about someone who is caught in a sin. The picture that he's painting here is of someone who is stuck in or perhaps even overrun by a particular sin. Maybe it's something habitual that they have fallen back into. What can you do to restore your friend? Maybe it's something as simple as as pointing out their sin. Maybe you can offer to help them to avoid that temptation in the first place. Maybe you're the one that's going to tell them that they're forgiven when they repent of that sin. And keep in mind why you're doing this. You're doing this because you don't want to see that person continue on that path, that path that leads to death. You want that person to repent and to stay on the path that leads to life. And all the while, you stay humble in helping that person because you know that you're just as much a sinner as they are. So those are the specific ways that you show your responsibility for your fellow Christian. You bear their burdens. You help them get back onto the right track. And Paul also makes a more general statement at the end of this passage. In verse 10, he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the household of faith. That's pretty broad, right? I mean, Paul is being very broad here. He says to do good to all people. All people. Does that mean I have to do good to that person who annoys me? who is just hard to be around, the person who at work that, well, I know I work harder than they do, and yet they get the same pay, I have to do good to them. I have to to do good to the government, people in the government that I don't agree with and I don't want to support. I have to do good for that person who is not as good a driver as I am that just makes me want to scream. All People. God doesn't leave anyone out here. However, you can do good to anyone you can think of, respecting their authority, helping them in every bodily need, respecting their marriage, helping them get or helping them uh, uh, keep what they possess, and all the rest of the way through the Ten Commandments. That is your responsibility to do good to them. And Paul says to do this especially. To those who belong to the household of faith. Yes, your fellow Christians. Not that your fellow Christians are more deserving of you doing good for them than than anyone else. But you have a special bond with your fellow Christians. You're part of the same family. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that, that bond is the most special and important bond that you can have. Christian, you have a responsibility 
to your fellow Christian. And you also have a responsibility, a specific responsibility to one particular fellow Christian, namely your pastor. Now, we're not going to spend lots of time talking about this responsibility here because Paul only mentions it in one verse. But he says in verse 6, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with his teacher. Historically, Lutherans have understood this verse to be talking about the need for Christians, for congregations to provide for their pastors. Think about what what he's talking about here. Really, the bottom line is that you need to provide for your pastor because he is the one who shares the word with you, who teaches you the word. He says, share all good things. He doesn't say how much. But he says, share all good things. The pastor is the one who teaches you God's word. And in order for him to do that, you need to provide a living for him. You're not really paying your pastor based on the amount of time that he works or or based on his qualifications. You're providing him a living so that he can do what you have called him to do. Namely, to preach the word, to administer the sacraments. And that is teaching God's word. So you are taught the word and you have a responsibility then to provide for your teacher. There's one final responsibility you have that Paul brings out in this passage. You have a responsibility to God. Now maybe you're thinking, well, these responsibilities we've already talked about Aren't they also responsibilities to God? Your responsibility to your fellow Christian to bear their burdens, to to help them back up? Yes. Your responsibility to provide for your pastor? Yes, they're, they're responsibilities to God. But Paul specifically brings out your responsibility to God when he talks about sowing and reaping. He says in verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. To be sure, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Indeed, the one who sows for his own sinful flesh will also reap destruction from the sinful flesh. But the one who sows for the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So what does God want from you? He wants you to do good works. Wait, what? I thought we usually talk about That we don't have to do good works in order to be saved. And that's true. God's already done everything necessary for you to be saved. Think about why Jesus came to this earth in the first place. To do everything necessary to give you forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation. He lived a perfect life in your place He died on the cross to pay that penalty you owed to God for your sin. He rose from the dead to show that he had indeed conquered sin and death. It's all done. Not only can you not do anything to gain your salvation, you don't need to. Jesus is God's grace, his undeserved love and mercy in action. God loves you. He sent Jesus to be your Savior. He sent Jesus to show His love 
for you. And through faith, through believing in what Jesus did for you, you have life. You have salvation. So why does Paul talk about sowing and reaping in these verses? Well, if you sow for your own sinful flesh, that means you're putting all of your time and effort into your sinful lifestyle. And as Paul said in chapter 5, you're walking that path then that leads to death. You're walking along that path and you don't really care that it's a, a wrong path. You're, you're having too much fun living that sinful lifestyle. And if that's you, if you are sowing for the sinful flesh, then you are doomed. You're headed down that path to hell. But if you sow for the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. That's the other path that Paul talked about in chapter 5. That's the path that you are on right now as a Christian. And you're sowing for the Spirit as you carry out all of your responsibilities that you have. Helping your fellow Christian bear their burdens, you're sowing for the Spirit. Making sure that your your pastor is provided for, you're sowing for the Spirit. These are all parts of, of that work of sowing for the Spirit. And any good work that you do, any good work that you do to give thanks to God for your salvation... It's all part of that sowing. Now this might sound like a lot, a lot to do. All of this that we have to do to live our lives as Christians. But here's where we need to keep the the end game in mind. The end game is the final reaping, the final reward, if you will, that God is going to give us. Paul says, let us not become weary of doing good because at the appointed time we will reap if we do not give up. God gives us many responsibilities as we live as part of his family, but he never abandons us. We don't give up because God does not give up on us. He says in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is here. He is here in his word. He's here in his sacraments. And because he is, because he is always strengthening us through that word, through the sacraments, then we can carry out and we do carry out whatever responsibilities God places before us. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard and keep your hearts through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.